So think through your life and uh, recognize, have you ever felt like your back was up against a wall? Have you ever felt plastered up against a wall? Have you ever thought, man, that was a wall and I hit it about as hard as I could hit it? Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about some walls. And first of all, there are some famous walls out there. There is the Great Wall of China. Uh, a wall that is over 4,000 miles long. It took over 1,000 years to build and really is terrible at doing the job that they created it for. Um, There is no way for them to patrol the entire 4,000 miles of that, so their enemies would just kind of wait until the guard kind of left. They'd hoist their ladders up and they'd climb over the wall and, and get into it. And if there's somebody sitting next to you that's really, really smart, they might be able to tell you where the Great Wall of China is. Then, then we have the Berlin Wall, and uh, that's a wall that I grew up hearing a lot about. It was on the news every night when I was younger, and uh, the, the longer the news would go, they, you would, you, we eventually saw people standing on the wall, standing next to the wall, pushing on the wall, swinging sledgehammers at the wall, and finally, uh, I think there is a video out there of, of what's purported to be them pushing over the last part of the Berlin Wall. It was a big deal that that wall came down and it needed to come down. And so a couple of those are famous walls, but the walls that I really want to talk about this morning aren't necessarily famous walls, but they're walls that are true and real to every one of us. now, there's been some pretty big walls in the last couple of years. Uh, a pandemic is no, nothing short of a pretty big wall. Lots of people trying to figure out how to get over that wall. And even, even today, we're, we're still trying to figure out how to uh, overcome it. Because when the pandemic hit, economies were spinning well. Um, things were just, our world was just kind of rocking and rolling, it seemed. And, and now we're, we're it, it slowed to almost a stop you know, shipping and transportation and workforces, everybody is kind of struggling to, to, to kind of get their head above water even. It, it, it's, it just feels like we're just struggling to get back to square one. So, and that brings us to the first wall that I want to talk about this morning, and, and I'm going to call that wall the vocational wall. Um, maybe the company that you were working for shut their doors and didn't never, and never reopen them again. Maybe, uh, you know, you don't have a job today and you're still trying to find one or maybe when you had the opportunity to work you took a job and and now you're kind of you kind of feel like you're kind of stuck in that job you you're you're doing something that you don't feel like you were created to do you're not making a lot of change in the world but it is it is a job and uh, it's really not taking full advantage of your potential so it feels like you're hitting a a vocational wall uh, every day or other people who are at a vocational wall um They say, I don't mind my job much, but again, it's not connected with anything that's really making the world a better place, and I'd really like to do something that makes the world a better place. Uh, Some listening today may own their own company, or maybe they're a manager of of their own company, and um, they're having trouble finding people that want to work. Uh, you know, they're just, they're behind, they can't fill all the places, they, they don't know, and they don't know what they're going to do, or maybe, and that, maybe that's you this morning. Uh, you're shorthanded, I mean, we see that all over, that is a, a vocational wall as well, I mean, things are just crazy. The, the pandemic really threw the world a curveball, and that's a tough wall. There, there are hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. right now at that wall. 
and they're not sure what to do. There may be hundreds in Goshen County. And if that's you sitting here this morning, if you're facing a vocational wall of some kind, um, I believe that the risen Christ is going to have something to say to you about that wall before the service is done. I really, really believe that. Uh, some of us, we're, we have, we've had a job, we, we've never, maybe we, you've never faced a vocational wall. You've always been able to find something to do and find something to put bread on the table with. Maybe that's not you. Uh, but maybe you were cruising through life, you thought you were going to get through it scot-free, but then you run into another wall, and this wall this morning I'm going to call the relational wall. Now, when we hit walls in relationships, the greatest hurt that cuts the deepest part of our souls is when it comes uh, from someone that we love uh, in our marriage or in our family. Sometimes it's the wish that we, that we could be married, that we, maybe you're somebody that wants to be married and, and you've been trying and trying and trying and you just can't find, seem to find the right one. I heard someone describe it this way. This is what she said. This whole thing is driving me nuts. 10 years. In recent years, I feel like I'm spending a third of my income on e-harmony expenses. She's doing the whole internet thing. She said, then I find out that about a third of the guys who are on eHarmony are married. They're just like cruising or trying to upgrade. And she says, and then like two thirds of these guys lie about their age and their weight and their income. I mean, she's just totally illusioned by the whole process. She's at a wall. Now, my response might, to her might be, you think you have problems. I could introduce you to some married people who thought that getting married was going to solve all of their problems. Oh, they're done with the harmony thing, but now they'd like to put their husband on eBay <laughs> and just auction them off. Now, I don't mean to make light of that because I know there is a lot of pain in marriage and family. Um, some of the walls that we hit hardest and some of the deepest pain that we ever can experience in our life, we experience with that person that, that we love or, and, and that person that we thought loved us and, and we're at a wall. You might be at that wall right now. And then we have fathers who hit walls with their sons and we have mothers who hit walls with their daughters or, or the other way around. Uh, parental and kid pain, it goes real deep. I mean, it goes deep. It's hard. That's a hard wall to be at. And then there are young couples who dream of having a family and they're unable to. Uh, they're unable to get pregnant. They try everything that, that known to man and, and it just doesn't work. Uh, many couples know that pain. Many couples know the pain and the agony of a miscarriage. Uh, and maybe not even just one, but maybe a couple. That's a wall. Some parents here this morning have lost infants. They've lost toddlers. And many of us know the pain uh, that comes from those kinds of family, marriage, and relational walls. And, and you're just wondering, what now? Again, uh, before this service ends, I believe that the risen Christ will have a message for you, will have a word for you. And I think that if you have ears to hear, that you will hear something this morning that will help you. Believe it or not, some people actually make it through most of those, past those uh, other walls throughout the course of their life, and they don't hit any of those. No financial trouble, no marriage or family issues to really bother them at all that much, and they think they're going to make it to the end scot-free, and then it happens. It hits out of nowhere. They go to what they thought was a normal checkup, a normal doctor's visit, and then boom. Something's not normal in their body, or they get a phone call in the middle of the night. Let's call this wall the pain wall. 
As a pastor, I have experienced this scenario many times with many families. A husband dies suddenly in the middle of the night from a heart attack, or a teenage boy is killed in a pickup crash, or a mom is killed in a pickup crash, and, and, uh, or, or a young child is, is injured in a car crash and is in the hospital, and there's doubt, or you just wonder, are they going to live or are they not going to live? And, and life kind of goes on hold for a period of time. You hear the word cancer or Lou Gehrig's disease or MS or a stroke from your doctor or you don't hear anything at all because they can't figure it out. That's a wall. A wall that many of you are facing. To this day, I can remember getting the phone call from my sister when I was in college and my mom was fighting a battle with cancer and all she said was, you need to come home now. And the next day, my mom died. Not all of us are going to have that kind of thing happen. Some of you are experiencing your first Easter without a parent, a first Easter without a child, and it's hard. That's a hard wall to be standing at. Now, not all of us are going to have that kind of thing happen, but a good number of us are. And when it does, we wonder, where do we turn? What can we do? Uh, Where are we going to go? How can we get unplastered from this wall that I feel plastered up against this wall of loss and grief and disappointment? But again, I believe this morning that if you have ears to hear, The risen Christ will speak something to you. Now, there's one more wall that I want to talk about. It's the tallest wall of them all, and it's a wall that every single one of us is going to hit because it's the mortality wall. You might actually make it through life without hitting any of the other walls, but every one of us, short of the return of Jesus Christ, is going to hit that wall. There is no getting past it. As far as I can tell, the the statistics are still about 100% that we're going to die. We are mortal. We're all going to hit the mortality wall sooner or later. We just don't know when. We don't know when that moment is going to be. We're all going to face this. So we need to ask ourselves, what's going to happen when I hit that wall? What's on the other side of the mortality wall? Now, the Bible is crystal clear about this wall of mortality. The book of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews 9.27. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So with that verse right there, there goes all of the ideas of reincarnation and coming back as something else and somehow getting a chance at reliving our life over. And then comes the day of judgment. That's when we find out what's on the other side of the mortality wall. And and I just have to say this as plainly as I know how we, we, you, me, we are not going to be the exception to the mortality wall. Not one of us. We're going to hit it. We can't avoid it. We can't avoid dying. Even if Jesus were to return before we do, we can't avoid the day of judgment, that day when every knee will bow before our creator. We will all face judgment. We will all stand before the God who made us. We can't avoid it. So we need to prepare for it. We can prepare for our date with the wall of mortality by getting to know the only one who blew through that wall and made it out the other side alive. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he is risen. Amen. 
Amen. Proving, proving that he was indeed the son of God. He was, he was dead. He was crucified. He was dead. There was no doubt. He was in that grave on Saturday, lifeless. And then Sunday morning, he was resurrected. You know, one, one person said, you know that the tomb wasn't open so that Jesus could get out. It was open so that we could see in and tell that it was empty. He's alive. He's alive today. And in the strongest of recommendations, I would ask you to surrender your life to the only one who's been through that wall and resurrected on the other side. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. He said that before he was dead and it bared true after he rose again. He was the resurrection. He is our resurrection. Now, I say this respectfully. I have never been able to understand people who believe in a a religion or a religious leader whose founder taught all of these ideas, died, and is still dead, still in their grave. We could could search worldwide and find the the graves of all of the, the religious leaders of those great religions today, and every single one of them is dead except one. And we can go to Israel and we can go to a place where they believe it is the, the one. I don't know that we know that for sure. But, but where the tomb of Jesus is, you can look in there and there is no body. And it's not missing because they took it. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw Jesus alive after he rose from the dead. He proved his messiahship. He broke through that mortality wall, making resurrection possible for everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's the Easter story. Now, I grew up in a church and I spent most of my growing up years celebrating Good Friday and celebrating Easter and I understood what they what they basically meant I understood it on what we call Good Friday Jesus died for my sins and there's a doctrine this morning and maybe you've never heard it before maybe you have it's called substitutionary atonement big words big words simply means Jesus took my sin on his shoulders and paid for it substitutionary atonement Now, I've played sports my whole life. Well, now I just watch them. Um, I've played or watched sports my, my entire life, and I know what a substitute is. You know, when someone checks in as the substitute, they go in for someone else in the game and then that person comes out. That's exactly what Jesus did. They, you take someone else's place. It's not a complicated idea. I understand atonement. I understand that Jesus took all of the sins of the world onto himself and conquered them. It's not the paying of a price to make something right that is the biggest problem for us. It's, it's appropriating his redemptive work into our lives. It's, it's believing it. It's surrendering to it. Now, you might be thinking, great, Jesus died for the sins of the world, but did he die for me? I mean, for little old me in Lingle, Wyoming, 
How does that work in my life for the pile of sin I've accumulated over the course of my life? And oftentimes we unfortunately think that somehow we have to earn our way over the mortality wall or through the mortality wall, that we have to somehow be good enough to make it. In Titus 3.5, it says, He, Jesus, saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his great mercy. Because of his great mercy. There was a young lady in our youth group years and years ago, and she was just right there standing at the line of faith, but she was just unwilling to step across it and surrender her life to Jesus Christ because she said he could never love someone like me. She she. She told me that one day when she finally gets her life cleaned up enough, she would step across that line of faith. And and I tried to explain to her that that's the point. That's why Jesus had to come and die and rise again, because we can't clean ourselves up enough. His incredible, amazing Mercy. I realized long ago that it's not by works of righteousness, not by me striving or me earning or me paying some sort of ongoing penance in an effort to to be redeemed or justified in God's eyes. We get it by receiving a gift. That was revolutionizing to me. When, When I received that redemption as a gift, it was an incredible feeling to this day. I, I reflect on that every day. I reflect on that and, and, and how God has forgiven me for all the junk, all the times where I've been disobedient and unfaithful and, and thought things and done things that aren't right. He, he died for that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Oh, I, I, I want to somehow justify myself. I want to somehow do something that, that, that elevates God's view of me. But his, his view will never be any greater than it is. Paul says, this isn't of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you right now are thinking, it's just too good to be true. There's there's no way that he would love me. But let me go on. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive today. Jesus resurrected. He broke through the mortality wall. He exploded the tomb wide open. He ascended to the Father and people who receive his gift of redemption will have eternal life. It's it's described vividly in the Bible. It's where we reside with God forever, this eternal life. The Bible describes it as a community of people in heaven. And, and it's going to be a new earth, a new heaven. It's, it's beautiful. It's incredible. God pulls out all the stops to make the environment incredibly enjoyable and filled with joy. I, I wonder, 
No sorrow, no tears, no pain, no death, no wind. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And it's all available when we receive eternal life. I believe that you're here today or you're watching online, whether that be today or someday in the future, because God has brought you here to hear what he wants to say to you. You are not here by accident. You might think that, oh, well, we just decided this morning, ah, I don't believe it. God has you here to hear what he wants to say to you this morning. Now, one of our problems is when we're younger, we're not really interested in spiritual things or, you know, we think, we think we're indestructible. We think we're going to live forever. We think I've got plenty of time to make that decision. I'm just going to, you know, the way we used to say it or the way my parents used to say it, we're going to sow our wild oats for a period of time and then, you know, then I'll get serious and kind of straighten things up or not. But you see, the problem with that thinking is we need to remember, we don't know when we're going to hit the wall of mortality. You may think you have years. You may have days or hours. We just don't know. We also need to realize that when Jesus promised the gift of eternal life, he wasn't saying that we have to wait until we die to experience it. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, that eternal life begins in that moment. Um, we, we are given a quality of life. We, we are saved. And as we experience that, there is increased joy and peace A peace that passes all understanding. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Life is hard. But but man, God is so good. He is so good. He is such a loving father. The quality of life in the kingdom of heaven can begin to take effect in our life here on earth. When Jesus prayed in Matthew 6.10, he said this, Your kingdom, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that's, that's in our lifetime as it is in heaven. Eternal life starts when we receive Christ. So how does this work in our lives today? Let's say that you are at one of these walls that I described. You're at the vocational financial wall or the relational family wall or, or you've experienced terrible pain or disappointment or loss in your life and you are plastered up against that wall right now, right here this morning. You've asked Christ to come into your life and his, his eternal life starts being operable in your life now because the companionship promised you in heaven starts now. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you, you need to remember some things and I'm going to tell you what those things are. I mean, I've been up against walls before and I have felt the work of the Holy Spirit. I could hear Jesus saying, David, David, yeah, I know you're at a wall. It's true. But let's put this wall into perspective. Let's give and add a little perspective to this. This is not an eternal wall that you have before you. This is a temporal wall with an expiration date. I've had vocational and financial challenges before. I've certainly had marriage and family problems before. And sometimes I hit one of these walls and I go, this is a huge problem. It's never going to go away. It's going to be this way for the rest of my life. And no one can do anything about it. Have you ever felt that way? And then Jesus reminds me, wait a minute. There's only one eternal problem. 
and I solved that one when I was resurrected and you received me into your life. The only eternal problem you're ever going to face has already been solved. All you have now are temporal problems with expiration dates. Let's keep it in perspective. Perspective. There's a psychological term for this extreme thinking that some of us do. I am one of those. The word is catastrophize. Sometimes I have a problem and I think it's just a catastrophe. I blow it up in my mind and I spin it to such a scale that it drives me crazy. And I think there's nothing that can be done. Nothing. Am I the only one or can anybody else relate to that? A few years ago, Sarah, and my, Sarah, my wife, and I were, were sitting on a cruise ship waiting to disembark. And uh, unbeknownst to us, in the middle of the night, our, uh, our ship coughed up one of its thrusters and, and we were going about half speed. So we were going to be five hours late into port. And you would have thought there was a bomb threat on this ship. People lost their ever-living minds. They're going to be five hours late to port. They're going to miss their flight. Heavens, they might have to get home from their vacation tomorrow instead of today. I mean, I heard people say things like, this is just unbelievable. This is ridiculous. Simply unbelievable. And as I think back to that, and as, as I think about what those people were saying and what they were saying, no, no, that's not unbelievable. What's unbelievable is that we have 25,000 children every day dying because they don't have clean water and food. No, you see, what's unbelievable is, is there's a country on the other side of the globe absolutely pulverizing another country and all the people that live in it. That's unbelievable. What's unbelievable is that over 12 million unborn babies have been murdered already this year. Taking a later flight... Getting home the next day from your, your vacation, that's not that big of a problem. Another pastor said this, I was dating someone and we had a painful breakup. I'm driving away from her house that night and there was a country song on. There goes my reason for living. There goes my everything. And he thought, that's true. And he was singing along and then God whispered to him, a little perspective. Look, young man, it's a bad night and a bad country song. That's all it is. This is a problem with an expiration date. And I'm not trying to minimize the walls that we face because they, in our minds, they are big. But we do need to keep perspective because they are not eternal problems. They are temporal. Some of us in very practical ways need to kind of right size what it is that we're up against. And, and Jesus, the risen Christ, can give us the perspective that we need so that we don't catastrophize our problems. Sometimes when I'm at one of these walls, God just comes to me and says, Hey, David, the biggest problem in your life has already been solved at the cross with the empty tomb. That's the biggest problem, and I've already solved it. Now, be patient, and I'll help you deal with this one. Perspective. Perspective. 
perspective helps. The second thing God says is that we don't have to stay pasted up against the wall with this problem, thinking that we only have the resources that are available to us to deal with it. You see, God has limitless resources. Limitless resources, and he has a heart to help. He loves you deeply. Consider these famous words from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Luke 11, 9, and 10. Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He's saying, why wouldn't you think that I want to help you? Why wouldn't you just ask? Just ask. Some of you are plastered up against these walls and you're catastrophizing. You're worried and you're anxious and you've done almost everything except just simply humble yourself before a God of limitless power and say, God, I need your help. I need you. Would you help me? So God gives us perspective on our problems. He promises resources to help if we'll ask. We don't get them all in just the way that we ask for them because sometimes we need to be reminded that we don't know exactly what we're asking for. You know, like the two disciples that wanted to be sitting at Jesus' right and his left hand. Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you don't even know what you're asking. Trust me. I will not honor that request and it's for your own good. Um, There is that, but his ways are higher than ours. Finally, I want to mention one more of Christ's promises. It's in Matthew 28, verse 20. And Jesus says this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is an incredible promise. It is his presence. His presence, Jesus is saying in very practical terms that that whatever it is, whatever wall you're facing, whatever thing you're going through, I'm right there with you. I'm right here. Don't ever think that you're there alone. Don't ever think that you have to put it all on your shoulders. I am here with you in this perspective, resources, his presence. And now we come right down to whether or not all of you have really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ or not. Have you believed that he paid for your sin and humbled yourself before him as the leader of your life? That is salvation. It's the miracle of eternal life. And when we believe, it starts at that moment. That moment that we surrender our life, that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, Jesus helps us blow through that mortality wall and we then live in heaven with him on the other side. Easter weekend, I can't think of a better time to clarify that decision than on a day when all of history changed because of the resurrection of Christ. And if you think about it right now, there are over 2 billion people around the world right now today who are celebrating and singing and dancing and expressing joy and adoration to the Lord this week because of the Easter miracle. 
And, and I want to ask you if you're a part of that Easter celebration. Are you a part of that Easter celebration? Is your heart singing and dancing because you too have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ who died and rose again and is alive today? Perspective, resources, his presence, salvation. Now, I want to ask you to take out your programs, if you would. Take out your worship folders, and if you haven't yet, tear off that Connect card and look at the backside of that, and you'll see that there's room for your name and a prayer request. There's a little checkbox there that says, I don't know, I didn't, I wrote it a week ago. Um, and, and here, here's what I want to challenge you to do this morning. You, you can fill in as much information as you want. And, and I have some people who have volunteered here at North Hills, who have volunteered and committed to pray for the request that we get this morning every day for 30 days. Every day for 30 days. They'll pray for you by name and for your need every day. For 30 days. Now, if you're humble enough to ask and seek and knock, I really believe that the power of God will move on your behalf and will be, will be released for whatever it is you're facing, whatever wall that is. Now, instead of just simply walking out of this service this morning and, and heading off to Easter dinner with a happy spirit, I want to challenge us this morning, Easter 2022, to get some work done. Let's ask God to solve some problems. Let's trust the power of God, the power of resurrection. And, and, and if we trust him, we will find him to be trustworthy. Now, I've given this people an opportunity before years ago. And I remember some of the people by name. And I remember some of the things that we prayed for by name. And God answered those prayers. Well, I was, I was talking to somebody between services this morning and, and uh, we were just kind of talking about how family life has been and, you know, your husband working and is he working today? Yeah, he is. And, but she said, praise God, he's working days now. He's been on nights for years, like nine years. And for the last two years, we, we've been trying to get him on days, trying to get him on days. And, and Last Sunday, or I don't know which Sunday it was. I'm going to say it was last Sunday. It was a Sunday. We asked our Bible study to pray for this. First time that we've ever asked someone else to pray for this. And Monday morning, he gets a phone call. We're moving you to days. Now, I'm telling you, God answers prayer, and he answers prayer of his people. And if you put down something on there, he will answer in some way, he will either give you what you want, what you're asking for, because he wants that of you as well, or he will, he will move your heart and your mind to be content with where he has you. He will help you to be patient. So if you would be willing, I want you to write down on that connect card, as much information as you want. You can put your whole name. You can put your first name. You can put a fake name. I, honestly. Um, and then write down just a couple words stating your need. Like, my name is Jim and I need a job. Or, my name is Nancy and I need a guy. 
Uh, or um, I'd like to be reconciled with my son, or I'd like to be reconciled with my spouse. I'd like to be able to get pregnant and start a family. Whatever it is, write it down, and we will pray every day for the next 30 days. Ask, seek, knock. And, and then there's one more thing that I want to make sure that you have squared away before you leave. And, and, and that's this. If you're not absolutely sure that you've asked Jesus into your life, that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, um, if you're not absolutely sure that if you were to die to tomorrow, that you would be in heaven with him, if you don't have the awareness that the eternal life promised you later is already starting to work in your life now, I'd like to ask you to write down eternal life. Eternal life. I'd like to be sure of eternal life. Now, this is serious business. I don't want us just to play church. We get good at doing that. I mean, I, I, the people that are going to be praying really, want, really care about you, really care about your family, about your future. We care. We care about your eternity. So be, be bold. Put your name and your need. And then after our closing song, you can do one of two things. You can drop that card in one of the offering plates as you leave here this morning, or you can bring that connect card with you in hand to the front of the stage here where a few of us will be standing after the service. And it, maybe you've got something in your life that you're like, I don't want to wait till tomorrow to have somebody start praying for me. I want prayed for right here, right now, this morning. Or I want to be sure of my salvation today, right here, right now, today. Come forward and meet with one of us. And, and if you have questions about salvation and eternal life, we have a couple books that we'd also like to give you this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles. We'd love to give you a Bible as well. Um, if the worship team will come up here. Look, we'll, we'll stay up here this morning as long as you need us to. Um, I mean, I know you probably have dinner to go to or maybe the ham is cooking right now. Um, but if you have time and you want to spend the time up here, we'll, we'll spend the time with you. Let's trust God because if we do, when we do, we will find him to be trustworthy. Uh, let's all stand and I want to pray and then we'll sing this closing song. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for bringing all of these folks here this morning, first service and second service and online. And Lord, we're so grateful that Jesus blew through that mortality wall and blew through the stone on his tomb and resurrected in power and glory and and he promises to offer the same to anyone who would humble themselves before him and reach out and receive the gift that he is offering. Substitutionary atonement. He paid our debt. And we just need to receive the gift. Oh, Father, for those who haven't, I pray that they will. And for those that have, we, we celebrate and we, we praise you and we worship you this morning for how you've loved and forgiven us. 
Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to see that you're right there with us as we experience these walls in our life. And I pray that as we leave here today, you would help us to see that we are not walking out alone. Help us to surrender that independent spirit, that spirit of the West. And God, I pray that people will avail themselves of your help from heaven. So Spirit of God, just do what you want to do in these next few minutes as we sing this final song and as we write on our cards and as we turn them in and we pray for those. Help us to trust you for the outcome. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.